What services should come for an extra fee? The pros and cons of a summertime tax vote. And support slips for the education reform plan. These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSIDE, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Bill Cohen, State House reporter for Ohio Public Radio. Ann Fisher, Metro columnist for the Columbus Dispatch. Bob Clegg, Republican strategist. And Michael Daniels, co-publisher of Outlook Magazine. Welcome to Columbus on the Record. As government leaders try to make ends meet during this economic downturn, they are getting creative. Of course, they are cutting services and increasing fees. They're also imposing new fees for services that used to be covered by tax dollars. The state is considering new tolls on highways. Columbus residents will have to pay for yard waste pickup. City officials are considering charging car insurance companies a crash fee to respond to accidents. And officials are looking at whether Columbus needs highly skilled paramedics. And Fisher, have we been getting too much for our tax dollars lately? <laughs> well, I think that people are wondering, the, the, the question that's coming out of everybody's mouth that I hear is, isn't, aren't I already paying for that? Um, uh, yes and no, um, what you're paying, the, what it will buy uh, has um, decreased over time. And uh, I think that these proposals, the, uh, the crash fee, the uh, cutting back to 1968 standards and, and our ambulance care um, uh, are, are the shots across the bow uh, when you're going to put out a big old fat tax increase proposal on the ballot, uh, apparently in August, maybe in November. So you, this is just laying the groundwork to make the case for the tax hike. They're not really considering all of these things. Well, I, I've, I've described it this way before, and sometimes people dispute this, but I still think it's, and I did it in my column this week, it's, it's, it's the old cut the football program uh, ploy. Um, what matters to us most in the world? Well, of course, whether we survive on the trip to the hospital is one of those things, and I think that that uh, cuts right to what we care about and what we value most. The crash fee is wonderful. I love that one of the uh, supporters for the crash fee is the private billing companies that would profit from that. So. Um, you know, take that for what you will. But I, but I think that, you know, this idea that they're just setting it up, I mean, I don't think there's anything cynical. I'm not cynical about this. Uh, they've already cut the recreation centers. They've already done, uh, I think, what you can argue are frills or luxuries uh, compared to the public safety stuff, the police and fire and the emergency squads. And so I think they're just saying that we've already cut the frills. If you, if you don't want to cough up more money, we're going to have to cut stuff that's more serious. I would be less, if I sound cynical, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I would be less cynical, though, if the group, the study group, um, that the, the study that they were looking at, for example, for the uh, cutting the paramedics, um, the study they were looking at was a 2005 study published uh, that examined 22 previous studies, 18 of which were more than a decade old. I would be less cynical if we were relying on more substantive data that matter that, that means something to us now. That that that's what I'm concerned about. I, I agree with Anne. I, I think that you know the the city's putting out the worst case scenario so that they can help their their tax hike or tax increase on the ballot. Um, I, you know, it's one of these things that I think you know voters have to make. A, a, that's why it's put before voters, and it's appropriate that it should be before voters. They got to decide 
what services they want from their government. Now, I'm a person that believes mm, it should be very little, but I know there's others that disagree with me and think that government should be doing a lot more, and that's fine. That's why we have this process, and that's why the voters have to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah, I, think that's, I think that's exactly it. They are going to float this out because, as Bill says, the cuts have been made pretty much as deep as they can go without getting into some of these, what a lot of people would consider to be absolutely necessary services. And so the question then does come up, of, do you want to pass a tax increase? And it would be, a, it would be the first tax increase since the year I graduated from high school. Um, you know, what you get, people say, it was like Am a I couple years ago, right? Just like two <laughs> years ago. Yeah, two years ago and two 27 years yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify. Two, two decades and six years ago, right. Um, but I think it does come to that, you're either going to vote for this or we're going to have to take, we're going to have to make those cuts someplace. Where does government draw the line? I mean, for most people, they don't use all of the things that they pay taxes for. Most neighborhoods are fairly safe, so you don't need the police all the time. You don't need the firefighters all the time. But we all produce trash, and it needs to be picked up. We all drive on roads that we want to be, you know, pothole-free. So where does government draw the line to protect the neighborhoods that need the police while also satisfying folks who I, I think that all the neighborhoods need the police and fire because you need them when you need them. Yeah. I mean, y some of us don't necessarily need as many patrols as frequently as other neighborhoods, but when you need them, you need them to be there. Well, and also it increases, you know, the quality of life for everybody when we know all of our neighbor neighborhoods are amply protected. I just, I, I hope that people and taxpayers know that it's not just always all about me, it's about knowing that it could be about me and that my quali the quality of my life is improved when the quality of my neighbor's life is improved. But when, you, when, I, when you're a leader making choices and it's, laying off a police officer or charging a fee for trash, that's going to affect one neighborhood more than another. Right. Yep. It is going to, because uh, different people will be able to afford the, the fees differently. And right. some of the fees that they're proposing, I think what we're going to start seeing some of the pushback, whether the, whether the insurance agencies have to pay when for police responding to an accident is one thing. Um, the yard waste, the trash collection, some of those kinds of things, I think you're going to see some pushback because those are coming down on property owners. Um, yeah, we as property owners already support the schools and the museums and the libraries and things that non-property owners use. Everybody generates trash, so should that be something that everybody pays for in terms of taxes, or should that be something that's added on as you know just just going to hit just going to hit property owners? And I'm starting to sound like my Republican colleagues on this, but <laughs> I mean I think that's Ooh. got to be I think that's got to be spread a little wider. Bob, do you think we'll after we get through this downturn and this this uh -huh. contraction? Do you see government? going back to the old ways, or is this a permanent contraction on the part of government services? You know, I'd like to believe that it's it's a permanent thing where government's going to have to look at this and decide what do they, not only do people have to decide what services they want, but government's got to decide what services they want to actually give. I was amazed because I grew up in a city, I lived in Columbus, and it wasn't until I moved to a township I, that I found out that you have to pay to get your garbage picked up. I mean, that was something that was always automatic, but not in a township that contracts with a private, you know, waste uh, hauler, and and you have to pay if you live in that township. You have to pay that extra fee to get your trash picked up every week, and you know, go wow. I mean, maybe that's you know what all government has to look at. One thing to remember: when you have a fee, it's hitting rich and poor alike. Mm -hmm. You might call it regressive in some ways. The income tax, though, that the city is going to be pushing for, while it's not graduated like the state income tax or the federal, it is still hitting the rich uh, with higher incomes more than the poor. So it kind of depends on your ideology which approach you favor. 
Let's get to that income tax. Columbus residents may not have to wait until November to vote on the income tax hike. As first predicted on this program by Terry Casey, as he is apt to remind us, <laughs> and reported by the Columbus Dispatch, city officials are looking at an August special election. Conventional wisdom is a lower turnout in August would result in a better chance of passing the tax hike because energized supporters would make up a greater percentage of a smaller pool of voters. But is that really the case? A review of school levy requests of the past five years shows that tax hike requests fare better in November than they do in August. Statewide, 27% of August levies passed, while 55% of November school levies passed. Now, Bob Clegg, if you wanted to pass a tax hike, which month would you pick? <laughs> I would never want to do that, Mike, but that's okay. Would you pick August or November? Uh, I think you got to be very, very careful what you're doing here. I think the big problem with August, and I think you have to think this through, is it's still a lot of people are on vacation, okay? It, and I hate to even get this, this um, uh, exact, but if you're doing it in early August, bad. If you're doing it in late August, good. Because schools school. are going back in school. Um, I think they uh, they can be a little too cute here if they're not careful. Um, I think the spin on this has to be really careful too. It's going to be really tough for people to look at voters and say we're dead flat broke, so we're going to spend an extra five hundred thousand dollars to put a put put this on the ballot in front of you a month and a half before we normally. But that's would. their argument. Things are so bad now. We yeah. have to get it out and right away. And they're going to yeah. have to show that and prove that. I think, Absolutely. though, that with the numbers that we're using, the 55% success rate in November versus the success rate, the lower success rate in August, how many of those 55% ran in August yeah. as well? In other words, August is all often used not as a way to uh, sneak the, 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 the ballot proposal or whatever it is around the voters, but to test drive it for the voters, get them used to the idea, and see see how they respond to it. There's another reason I think August might be wise. Uh, there's a Metro Parks levy in May. Uh, there may be a children's services levy in November. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're going in November, the, the folks may be taxed out by November. Uh, they may already say, look, I already voted for something. I already voted to raise my taxes in May. I already voted in August, or, or I've got another one here in November. I don't want to keep raising my own taxes that much. And, and this, I think, might be the most controversial of the three compared to Metro Parks and Children's Services. So I think August might be the best. Well, I think, I think though, that they've got to be careful in that. Not only, and, and I know they think that they can somehow motivate their people better in August than, than they can in well, November. They motivate fewer. Yes, but I think if they try to pull this ploy, they're gonna motivate the people against it even more because those people are gonna think, what are they trying to slip through here? And I think the people against the, the increase may be even more motivated to come out in August than they would in November. But are they going to be organized? I think usually these the, the vote no folks aren't really organized, they and yet they of course they still do pretty well a lot of in the this, time. In yeah. this kind of economy, I don't think it's going to take a lot to you know. Right. To so the city's going to have to do its due diligence and showing people why they're going to spend that extra you know half mil, right. half million on on that, and then also why they need the money now versus after the November election. And a, and a citywide income tax is different than a school levy. Where a school levy, you have a built-in constituency. You have parents. You have teachers, and you have grandparents who are automatically going to go out and support, in most cases, the levy. Across the board, city income tax it's not well, quite this narrow a constituency. That may be why they're using things like the um, ambulance or you know the paramedic service to help people you know understand what their what their stake is in all of this. Getting back to the 
paying for this election. You see half a million dollars, you see three quarters of a million dollars to run the election. Where in November you're going to run it anyway. Right. Um, is that ammo for the opponents? Should there should there be an organized opponent, organized effort to oppose this? If, if I were running the opposition, it would be the lead thing in everything that I did. We're broke, so we're going to spend half a million dollars to get less unbroke. I did that the whole thing just makes. It's really hard for people to swallow. I also wonder about what Bill said in terms of people being taxed out. I'd like to think that voters are smart enough to know the difference between tax increases and levies. And so while you're looking at that sort of thing, one of them's going to hit directly on your paycheck. The other one is just going to hit your property taxes. So while they're both going to hit your pocket, you do have to think about how that's going to work. And I think the city has done a pretty good job in the past when they sold the whole uh, the whole bicentennial bond package of saying this isn't going to increase your taxes. They've set themselves up now to say we haven't done that in a while. Now, the argument for having it in August is it gives you an extra couple months of revenue should the tax be approved, and that might pay for it, the cost of the election. Is that an argument against spending well, money on this election? Yeah. I mean, you can use that argument. It doesn't. I don't think it's very And credible. I think Ann, Ann's right. You have to come up. You, somebody's got to show me an Excel spreadsheet that says if we do yeah. this, we're going to collect more money between, by the time we, we run the thing in August and we actually you know, count it, and we get the legislation passed, we put it there, we start collecting it, you got to show me we're going to collect enough to even pay back for the election. Because right. if, if we're just going to break even or come out, you know, $10,000 ahead, there's no sense of doing Right, and you do already say, the, the first thing they look at is the hotel receipts, for instance. Those yeah. things are the things you, could, you can count very quickly and see very quickly, you know, how things are panning out. Quick poll, though, this isn't official yet. This is going on the ballot. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there a chance that this might not be on the ballot? I mean, that's, is there, or is it a foregone conclusion they're going to ask for it well, anyway? they're polling, yeah. but I don't think they're polling about weather. Yeah. yeah. They're just how. The ballot. Yeah. <laughs> they're putting it and, on. And the not ballot. to be Terry Casey, but I, I said that in December. <laughs> and I actually <laughs> agreed with him on that show. <laughs> <laughs> so we all knew. <laughs> the tea leaves were there. Now, state lawmakers are not even thinking about a tax hike, but a coalition of human service providers say the governor and state lawmakers should raise taxes or at least delay the last phase of the income tax rollback. Bill Cohen, they came armed with a poll showing that most Ohioans would favor delaying this rollback if the money went to social services. Is that enough to convince the governor to go for a tax hike? No, it hasn't been enough. Uh, the governor hasn't changed his stand. Uh, predictably, uh, the Republicans said, no, we don't want a tax hike. And then, interestingly, uh, some key Democrats saying the same things. So, uh, you know, that, and it, interestingly, the Democrats saying, you know, uh, we promised uh, the voters of Ohio four years ago that we were going to lower the income tax, and so we can't go back on that promise. The irony is, no, the Democrats didn't. They voted no on that package. <laughs> they didn't like it. But now it's very interesting. The governor and a lot of the Democrats are saying, are almost adopting that, uh, the, the new tax structure and saying we're not going to touch it, and we're actually selling it to businesses as, hey, come to Ohio. It's a place where our taxes are not so high. Does it help business, the lower tax rate? Is it enough to convince a company from leaving? I mean, oh, really, yeah. companies, I mean, Walmart announced today they're, <laughs> they're whacking 650 jobs. The tax I rate mean, didn't help them. Is, hey, there's 49 other states these businesses can go yeah. to that can get a much better deal on taxes. But what part of the equation is it? Is it a big part of the equation or is it a small part? I you look at labor big, costs and I think it's else. a big, well, yeah, climate, labor costs, they're all part of it. I yeah. think it's a big part. I mean, my personal opinion, it's a big part. Um, I love what Bill says about how the governor and the Democrats have like adopted a Bob Taft tax decrease or tax reduction, and they've made it their own. And you know, what's amazing, these groups like the social service groups that went out and did this polling, they had such high hopes, I know, when, when the governor got elected because they felt they had somebody who would be very supportive of their cause. 
But, you know, the governor has sent a clear signal that this budget that we're currently debating is not going to sidetrack his reelection campaign. And he doesn't care what anybody says. That's got to be the top priority for all these groups. And they're, they better just fall in line or, you know, they're going to be left behind. Will we ever see a tax hike again? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yes. I mean, yes. it's so toxic. If Ted Celeste, or Ted, Ted Celeste, ooh, boy, that was <laughs> Freudian it. slip. That was a Freudian slip. If Ted Strickland is reelected, you'll see a, uh, a tax increase proposed, but I don't know if it'll be able well, to Well, there's a lot through. of folks who are arguing that we're setting ourselves up for a tax, a tax hike with this current budget oh. because it's based on one billions of dollars, one-time money, federal stimulus money, and unless the economy really shoots up in two years, we're going to have to uh, to keep to have a tax hike to to get this uh, level of spending. But it are, have have the words tax hike become so dangerous that even in two years, politicians are going to be afraid to ask for one because in four years they're going to get booted out. Well, it's already at that stage. I mean, yeah. It's been like that for since 19, I don't know when. I mean, since 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 uh, George Voinovich, um <laughs> in, in, imposed all of his uh, revenue enhancements, you know, um, instead of tax hikes or uh, fee increases, as they're called now. Um, uh, no one wants to say they're raising taxes or fees on anything. So it's been like that for a long time. Eventually we will. We have been with fee increases and stuff like that. We have been raising taxes, but, and it filters down to the average person every day from who, where, getting your, where you get your haircut to where you get your tattoo done. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it's going to have to happen or we're going to be going through on a macro level or going through on a micro level in Columbus laying out some really tough cuts. But but there are there is tax increases that are out there right now that are fine that are nobody has problems with and that's the tax increases on the rich. Those are the ones that we all talk about and those are the ones that like President Obama ran on. Everybody else was going to 95% of us were going to get, you know, tax reduction, but you know, you can raise taxes, but it has to be just on the rich. So maybe we'll do it that way. And those are basically the, the tax hikes that uh, the social welfare groups are talking yeah. about. And they can get 57% of people saying, yeah, they'd go along with it. As basically, as long as we're not taxing you, no, we're going to tax business or we're going to tax folks above 200000 a year. It's amazing how that, that level starts dropping lower and lower. What about specific tax increases for specific things. The tax on t tattoos, for instance, if it went just for schools, Michael, would that, is that an easier sell? <laughs> and he looks at the guy who's covered in ink. Um, <laughs> I, th I think if anything that, you know, anytime you're looking at, at taxes that are specifically targeted to kids and animals, they're probably going to pass. Uh -huh. um, I think that's how we looked at a federal level. That's how we got S-CHIP through because the S-CHIP is being funded, um, you know, based on the cigarette tax, but it's like we're going to increase your taxes on cigarettes so that we can give health insurance to kids. Uh -huh. If we said we're going to do that so we can give health insurance to everybody, I don't know if it's just as, as easy of a sell. My problem is that sometimes those tax increases get tagged, we're going to use this money for, for kids, so we're going to take all the money that was in the budget originally yeah. for that program, and we're going to move it around and we're going to put it over here. That's, what, it happened the, that's what happened to the lottery. Exactly. So it doesn't really yeah. add revenue to the project that it says it's going to add revenue to. It goes into the same pot. Our fourth topic, Governor Strickland has doled out the federal stimulus money among the Central Ohio projects getting money, road improvements near Children's Hospitals expansion, road work near the Scioto Mile Project downtown and widening near Rickenbacker Airport, road widening. In all, the governor allocated $774 million to 87 of the state's 88 counties. Michael Daniels, is this really going to stimulate the economy, or is this just taking care of things that need to be taken care of anyway? I think this is a way to make people get quiet. Um, 
yeah, it's going to stimulate the economy eventually. And I think that if you look down that list of projects, I think they're all, you know, you could argue maybe one or two of them, but most of them are very, very legitimate construction projects. But they're all projects that are going to be completed in 2010, 2011, 2012. And so while I think this is great, is it going to stimulate the economy immediate short term? No, this is going to this is going to have as much of an economic stimulus effect as increasing drilling would have on reducing oil prices when they were four dollars a gallon. Um, no, it's not going to. It's not going to have a short-term well, impact. Completion doesn't equal stimulus, though. I think that half of them have to be in put into into work, or they have to be decided on by uh, the end of this fiscal year, yeah. and they're going to have to be start start spending the money right away. They just have to be cl completed by that time. That doesn't mean that people won't be earning wages and um, uh, orders won't go out for uh, you know construction goods right. in the meantime. Well, I mean, this is. I think this is going to create thousands of jobs in the short term, these construction jobs. Uh, and, you know, Strickland and, and Mayor Coleman, they each staged their own news conference to announce this. And, and you know, of course, politicians love to, to give away money. Uh, the question is, you Not know, where's this money, money coming from? Yeah. It's coming from the federal government. The federal government doesn't really have it. How are they getting it? Well, they're either printing it or they're borrowing it. So in the long term, either our money is worth less because of inflation or uh, our kids are in debt to uh, foreign governments who are, who are investing and, and giving us the money. So it's, I think it's more of a short-term versus a long-term right. vision. And these projects are already in the works. With the nationwide expansion, there was going to be improvements around that no matter Not what. Not all of them. Many of them. Many the single mile is already mm -hmm. underway. Right. Um, the, and they were shovel-ready. That was the whole point. But the, the, the big one, the $200 million project in Cleveland, I don't think was already in the yeah. works. I think that whole redo of the loop up in Cleveland, yeah. um, that's something that would probably never have been done if this kind of money weren't made available. I, I, you know, I still believe if you want to help that guy that's on the last couple of weeks of unemployment, you know, right now and trying to feed his family and pay his rent, uh, it's better to put more money in his pocket now than, than uh, do something that maybe would help a year and a half, two years from now. Okay, let's get to our final topic, education funding reform. It's a topic that has slipped out of the headlines and slipped to the end of the show because of the transportation spending bills and economic stories. But it's still out there, and as details emerge, the public seems to be increasingly skeptical. A Quinnipiac University poll shows support has dropped over the past month. Those who think the plan will improve education has dropped by nine percentage points, while the percentages of those who think it won't improve schools or who just aren't sure, those percentages have grown. Bill Cohen, talk of ed reform has quieted recently. Why is that? Well, I think there's a few reasons. First of all, school funding is so complex, it's so hard to understand. Uh, and so that's one thing. People are looking at it and go, I, I don't understand it. Then you've got these poor school districts who thought they were going to get the big bonanza because uh, their ally, Governor Strickland, was the guy proposing it. And they look at the numbers and they say, what, we're not getting a big boost of money here. Or, or should we really back this? So uh, I think that's, that's another thing. And, uh, you know, they, they probably will back it, but not as enthusiastically as past plans. And then, uh, you know, just the, the whole economic mess we're in, people are focused on that. Yeah. Uh, they're not really focused as much on education funding reform. They're interested in who's going to create some jobs. Does that help chances of passage if people are focused on other things and they can get this through in the budget? No, because I think legislators are also more yeah. focused <laughs> on the job creation stuff yeah. and how we have fill holes in the state budget. They're not into this uh, education reform thing as much. Um, 
you had to figure some of the support would erode after the, after the big push at the beginning. That's to be expected. Can it pass with only 31% of the people saying, we think it's going to improve education? The big problem with his plan is the longer it stays out there and the longer people look at it, the more holes they see in it. I mean, we talk about having all-day kindergarten. Everybody's got to do it. Uh, but then, no, you really don't have to. You know, and we have to have these reduced ratios between pupils and teachers. Uh, but if you really can't, eh, that's okay. Yeah, and those are examples of a couple things. I thought those are such easy numbers to crunch. I was shocked when they whipped that stuff out there and then started to have to pull back because people, even wealthy school districts, are going, we can't afford to do that, uh, which wouldn't take that much to figure out. So I was sort of surprised by that and stuff. You're exactly right. And I think that some of those things that should have been falling off a log easy to understand have now, the more we've seen it out there, the more we realize this isn't easy to understand, and then Bill's comment comes into play. If the stuff I thought was easy is really going to be convoluted and complicated, what's going to happen to the stuff that I wasn't quite sure about to begin with? Okay, let's get to our weekly off-the-record comments from our panel. Some final thoughts, some predictions for the weeks ahead. Bill Cohen, you're up first. Uh, next week, four banks, uh, two big ones and two small ones, are going to announce they're going to be the first to give uh, savers extra money, extra, an extra interest rate on their savings accounts if the customers take financial literacy classes. Uh, the irony, though, is this money coming really from state government. The irony is this is coming at the same time all the politicians and economists are telling us, don't save your money. We don't want you to save the money. We want you to spend it to get us out of the recession. It's time with the extra money from the stimulus coming first of April. <laughs> Ann. I'm going to have to, you know, go back to the August um, uh, proposal to put the tax increase on the August ballot and agree once again with Terry Casey. I think it will go in in August. Why it will go in August, we may debate about that. Um, I think it'll have more to do with being have a test drive for November, but okay. I think it will. Um, I'm going to tell you a prediction. I just read it in a, a British magazine called Prospect. They're saying the Obama administration has got off so badly that you're going to start seeing Hillary Clinton distancing herself in preparing a run against him in 2012. <laughs> Hillary will not go away from Bob. Michael. Uh, former Speaker of the House and now Senator John Husted. We all thought he might be a, a backbencher when he first moved to the Senate. He's kind of taken the lead on this tax rollback discussion. And at least to my way of thinking, he's sounding a lot more like a candidate for state treasurer in 2010 than he is for Secretary of State. Okay. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. You can continue this discussion, this conversation, at our website, WOSU.org. Our question this week, what government service if any, would you pay extra for? That's on our website, WOSU.org. We also have streaming video of this show and some past shows. And also we have a blog, but of course, I shan't Twitter. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI, for our panel, and for all those folks outside waving at us through the window, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.